Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015. It's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy Craig Hustins. Craig, what's going on, man? What's up, Dmitry? How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, you're back by popular demand. Unfortunately, uh, Drill Guy, who was featured on your last appearance on the PDO Cast, wasn't available to make this appearance. He's, you know, his asking rate to come on the show is is way too high at this point. He's kind of let the fame go go to his head. <laughs> Drill guy. Is that like Dark Guy? Does it, Dark Guy really have a radio show? He does. Or, is that what his name is? It's yeah, amazing. Dark Guy, right? It's amazing what uh what being in the center of the hockey universe will do for you. It's uh good for him though, man. I I I enjoy I enjoy the fact that uh you know that thing had some legs and really took a life of its own and he's uh he's parlayed it into a little bit of a side gig here. I'm ha- I'm happy for anyone that can do whatever it is they want to be doing. Except for Drill Guy. I wasn't happy that Drill Guy was so aggressively drilling in the middle of our last recording. Yeah, but we made it work, and we're going to make today's show work as well. And um, the plan for us here is we're going to do a little bit of a, uh, a watchability ranking. Uh, we're going to go 1 through 31, or I guess we're going to go in inverse order. We're going to start with 31 and go all the way down to the most entertaining team, and we're going to hopefully have some disagreements or maybe we'll be completely in agreement on everything. I guess we'll see how it goes. I mean, I actually put together uh, a comprehensive list of my own with notes for each team. Uh, you told me before you we did. started, you told me before we started recording that you uh, put a, a couple seconds of thought into it, but have a rough draft. At I least. also, yeah, I also put together a comprehensive list <laughs> that has every single team listed and in a good 10 seconds of thought. So there we go. Well, that's a starting point. Okay. Good. Um, so before we get into the actual ranking, let's go with a bit of a methodology here. Like for you, um, when you're thinking about something like this, what do you? Is there stuff you're sort of drawn to or prioritize in terms of like what you want to see? Because obviously, you're not going to have these ideal all-star teams just filled with ex- exciting player after exciting player. So you're going to have to kind right. of pick and choose and be selective. So what do you? What is Craig Custance looking for when there's ten different games on at once and you? can really kind of have your pick of the litter you know what a lot of times it is it's it's the teams that i haven't seen a ton of through the years that i'm more excited to watch so my so like the top of my list are 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 more are going to be the teams that have some of the young players and that are the more emerging teams um compared to you know let's say it's the 
Blackhawks. Actually, the Blackhawks are pretty high on my list. But, you know, maybe some of those teams that I, through the last decade or whatever, I've seen a million other playoff games, and I'm, I, I'm, I don't want to say less interested because there's some great players in those teams. But I'm definitely more inclined to watch, you know, let's say it's the Oilers or the Maple Leafs, these teams that are kind of on the rise with these star players. Like, that to me is the attraction. Right, with some of those established teams, you sort of, even if it's exciting, you'd know ultimately what you're going to get, whereas, you know, with a team like maybe, I don't know, even like a Carolina or something, there's some sort yeah. of like a intrigue involved where you're like, I think this team could get really good as the year goes along, so I want to be along for the ride a little bit. So I, I definitely agree that's one component of it. Yeah, for sure. And Carolina's pretty high on my list for that reason. And it's like, you know, because you end up saying a lot of stuff like, boy, I love that defense, and they're really good and young, and you're like, what? Well, I want to make sure I'm watching him enough. So I'm not just repeating kind of these talking points that I've decided in my head. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like, you know, like Carolina is a, a great example of a team that I didn't watch a ton of last year. Cause when you're covering the whole league, I think, I don't know if you and I've talked about this, but like as the, as the year goes on, you end up paring down your, the list and you're right. like, okay, you end up watching more, let's say it's the capitals or, or whoever that you think is going to make a run. So that when, when I was doing what I was doing last year with ESPN, it was, I know I'm going to hop on this series, so I better be prepared. So if it looks like a team isn't going to make the playoffs or isn't going to be relevant in the postseason, you end up phasing them out a little bit. And and so this is the time of year where it's like, okay, let's reset that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, this one, you know, has can sometimes have uh, some caveats to it, but I think for the most part, like uh, – acknowledging star power here is important and i know that seems a bit obvious that like yeah the best players are going to be the most interesting ones and entertaining ones to watch but i still think it's an important point because you know we spend so much time discussing how hockey is a team sport and not an individual one and that's definitely true when it comes to success in the win-loss department but when you're having a discussion about entertainment value i think driving interest is you know like we're going to talk about the oilers but Connor mcdavid is worth like 10 other really good players just in terms of how much they're going to make you want to watch that team. 100%. Yeah. Um, and I also factored in here a little bit of uh, uh, two two things. They were sort of on the margins, but there's a little bit of a sort of like nuance or unique uh, stylistic team traits because I feel like the league can sometimes get really cookie cutter and every team kind of winds up sort of just looking the same out of a little bit out of sort of, you know, the conservative nature of things. And sometimes when a team right. starts doing different things than everyone else and maybe pushing the envelope a little bit, I'm, I'm drawn to that a little bit. And the other thing is um, aesthetics and, and other frills. I'm, I'm a big Jersey guy and I, I, I I I rank the I've ranked the commentary teams in the past, so I'm very critical of those sometimes as well. So I factored that in a little bit, but that's more so, you know, stuff I can I can put up with if the actual on ice talent is good enough. All right, I want to hear your list. All right, dive in. Come on, Dimitri. So Do number this. number thirty one. Um, I have the Vancouver Canucks. Okay. Um, I had them at thirty. Yeah. So did you have Vegas at thirty? Thirty one. So. I had Colorado, but I'm already rethinking this based on their start. Yes. So I had Colorado at 31 because I was just like, they were so bad last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to trade Matt Duchesne. And I, I didn't, I don't know. Like I was like, you know, they're, they're going to be irrelevant in my mind for the most part, but not, you know, this is, I did actually put this together because we were going to do this last week. So it's, I'm already like, boy, maybe I was wrong about the Colorado. Yeah, these things can be a little fickle because we were going to record last week and I pushed it back a little bit just because I wanted to see each team or at least most of the teams play a couple times and, yeah. you know, 
perception has obviously changed. But with that said, I mean, if we did this this time next week, uh, it could go back to that or it could be completely different. So <laughs> right. this stuff's going to change quite a bit as the year goes along, and we just have to acknowledge that and deal with it. So why, like, so Vancouver's last, like, what's your what's your thoughts there? I, think, I just, I just, I like, I don't know if I'm being overly critical of them because I'm here in Vancouver and get to see it up close. But like, other than the fact that you know, on occasion, if if you catch them on the right night and you squint hard enough, the Sedins still look like the the Sedins. Um, other than yeah. that, like, like Bo Horvat's good for a highlight reel every couple games. He had one in the opener against Edmonton, but beyond that, it just, I don't, I don't really see like what would what would the selling point be if you were, you know, if you were taking someone to the Canucks game, um, like mm-hmm. what, what would your description be for, Oh, this is stuff you need to look out for beyond just <laughs> let's have some beer. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you would, what, what, what the, what the attraction is with this team. I, there is, it would, you know what it would just be. It would be like a Sedin's appreciation. It'd it would, be like, yeah. these were, those guys were some of my favorite ever to cover. Um, played in one of my favorite finals that I ever covered with that Boston Vancouver Seneca final. And I would just, like that would be my pitch. I'm bringing someone to the game. Like these are good, you know, these are Hall of Famers. Let's appreciate them while we have them. Craig, I take the, I take I take this list very seriously, and you can tell that by the fact that you know the debate for who should be 30 and who should be 31 was something I spent uh, the most time probably uh, going back and forth in my mind about. And I had Vegas at 31 yeah. for a while. And listen, I uh, I bumped him up to 30 because like the the, the on ice talent is 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 horrible and don't let the fact that they've won their first three games distract you from that um but there is some sort of like a you know it, it feels like a, a spectacle it, there's like a uniqueness to it i mean especially for their home games like they have the slot machine sound when they score uh they're playing viva las vegas when they win and hopefully that'll happen a few more times this season and it's i'm, I'm, I'm curious like it's what we mentioned earlier about one you know knowing what you're going to get versus kind of seeing what's going to happen and how it's going to unfold. I'm, I'm curious to see how guys like a Nate Schmidt, for example, or even like a Brennan, right. Brennan Leipzig up front, how they're going to do in expanded roles with opportunity that they've never had in their previous stops. And that's drawing me in. I mean, I guess that's, it's damning with faint praise because I still have them at 30, but that was my, that see, was my I rationale. Higher. I, like they're 21 because it's just on my list because it's, it's Vegas, right? Like this is a new team. Well, I'm, I'm curious when you throw when you just throw a bunch of random players together on a roster that haven't haven't come up through a system together or you know barely know each other like what is that is there any on ice impact i like i'm kind of drawn to vegas on some level like not enough that they're top 20 but certainly not at the, the bottom of my list and i want to see if james neal is going to score uh 70 goals this year also it's true um and if mark andre Fleury is going to have to start 82 games <laughs> he might. Um, and when are they going to trade him? Like, I think there's a lot of storylines because, I, and look, I don't want to. I don't think we want to spend too much time on each team, but <laughs> I think with Vegas, like, what if they're actually kind of competitive and they become a story in the market? But George McPhee is like, man, I got to do the right thing here. Like, we're trying to. He's he wants to collect draft picks and prospects, and someone says, hey, we want James Neal right now. Like, can he? do that and then the fans are like oh what's going on you know yeah i think there's i think there's interesting kind of plot lines there yeah and you know now that i'm thinking about it like if you approach this ranking list from all the teams are playing and you can just you know you can you can pick whichever one you want to watch like vegas is would be right now really high up for me i would, I would tune into the game just to see what's going on because it is that spectacle i think maybe yeah um 
as the year gets going along, maybe some of that will, you know, the shine will wear off a little bit. And if they just start sure. losing every single game and looking horrible, which I suspect will happen eventually still, um, then we might, you know, have to come back to the, to the drawing board here and, and bump them down. But you're right. I think, uh, I think the fact that I had him 30 was in hindsight, a bit too low, just purely based on an entertainment value perspective. All right. Yeah, I'm going to just talk to you out of every one of your rankings. That's my goal. Here. Yeah, you're just going to make me doubt myself here. Uh, that's great. Um, <laughs> so I have Detroit 29. Uh, talk me out of that, editor-in-chief of uh, the Athletic Detroit. I I can't. No can do on that one. I had them at 27. Mm. Um, and, I mean, they, they're off to a nice enough start so far this year. If I'm trying to talk you into what there is to watch with the Red Wings, I – what I what I would say to kind of the casual hockey fan is, uh, I like I think Anthony Mantha is going to have a pretty nice season. I I think he's a, the real deal. He's a he's a he's got that great shot. Um, he's a guy. He's interesting to talk to because you know he scored, scored all those goals in junior and then kind of got you know made the transition to a pro and got uh, there was some pretty public comments about how the Red Wings were disappointed in him. And when I talked to him, he's like, yeah, it took me. He's like, I wish I would have figured out right away that you actually have to show up every day and play hard and work hard. He's right. like, and he basically said, I didn't. And he's like, I think I could have, co- I could have made the transition right from junior if I had known that. Like, he just thought he could coast right into professional hockey. And that, it does seem like, and maybe he's just saying the right things, but I've never, I don't know if I've ever heard a player just say that, like, hey, I was kind of dogging it. And and now, like, he's he's a guy, and I don't know if he's an everydayer yet, but got the skill set that if he is he'll be interesting to watch him and dylan larkin are the only reasons i think to watch this team yeah well man that was awesome last year and i I definitely buy that just in the sense that like if you're far and away the best player on your junior team for years uh you you can probably kind of take that preparation thing a little bit for granted just because it comes so easy to you and then you you come to the nhl level and you get slapped in the face a little bit and you have to uh you have to readjust but i the dylan larkin thing is uh the thing i keep coming back to because i i last year was just such a bizarre uh step in the wrong direction for him and i don't mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a, i'm not a subscriber of the the sophomore slump i think there was something more to it there but he's looked better so far and i wonder if you know that he has so much speed but you have to do something with it and sort of pick your spots you can't just go in a straight line all the time and you know using that to his advantage i'm, I'm curious to see if he does that a little bit more this season because there's no reason he shouldn't be significantly better than he was last season He'll be better. He's he's too smart a kid to to not be better than he was last year. And I believe in the sophomore slump, only kind of along the lines of you know once once the league has a good look at you and your tendencies, then they start making adjustments. And I don't think Dylan ever really adjusted last year to the adjustments, and now he's adjusting to the adjusting to the adjustments. So. <laughs> There's a lot of adjustments. We're, we're, like we are seeing, like we're seeing. Um, uh, Chris Schaaf, who does some stuff for us on, on the Athletic Detroit, kind of grabbed some video clips and just said, "Like here's it was like Dylan L- Dylan Larkin flying into the offensive zone and then slamming on the brakes and then waiting for his teammates, and that was something I don't think you saw very often last year." Yeah. So there's hope there, I guess. Um, okay, one final thing on Detroit. We do need to move on, but um, do you think that Martin Furk can uh, can get? to his spots off and off at the NHL level to make that shot of his uh, stick? Um, probably not at even strength. Mm-hmm. If we're like being super realistic about it, mm-hmm. but I think he, I think he's so good on the power play and that shot is so good that it, as long as he's kind of like passable at, at even strength, uh, it, like it's, it's fun. Not like they, they just start feeding him you know, almost like in, you know, Vetchkin's office and, 
and uh, it's it's you know it is it is a ridiculous shot, and you know and and you know we saw it last year with like San Gagne. There is more there seems to be more of a willingness by NHL teams to have a power play specialist. Where I don't remember that happening as often in the past. Well, and it, it makes you know, sense. If yeah, you're, if, no, you're, like, if you're going to have an enforcer yep. on your fourth line, that's kind of a, a specialist. I feel like this is a more productive one. For sure. Or it seems like teams are more willing to even have a PK guy in their fourth line. Like, hey, this guy's going to be a but, – so why why wouldn't you have a guy that has that has some skill? And, like, when, I, when you talk to Jeff Lasso about it, he's like, you have to figure out, does it take your power play from 30th to 15? Does it take it from 30th to 28th? Like, what, how much better does it improve your power play when – if if he is, and I'm not saying this about Firk, but if there is some sort of drag at, at even strength, mm. yeah, something to watch for, I guess. Um, you know, in, in terms yeah, of... I might want to move him up to 26 now. Ooh, yeah, I don't know about that. That seems a bit generous. I have him at 29, and I'm I'm sticking him there. Right. I feel comfortable with that one. Um, All right, very good. So uh, I have Buffalo 28th, um, and I had them higher on my initial list, mm-hmm. and. I thought the first game they had against the Canadians was optimistic because they were, you know, you whenever you have a new coach and you have as much roster turnover as they had, you want to see if things are going to be different than they were before. And it seemed like they were playing this faster, most mod, more modern pace. And then they came crashing back down earth quite a bit in the past couple games and reverted back to that old form they had in years past. And like, a, you know, Jack Eichel's tremendous to watch and Evander Kane has gotten off to a really, really good start. And he's exciting to to watch as well, but uh, I don't know. Make the case for why they should be higher if they should. Um, so I'm I'm I had them at twelve. And okay, hold on, hold on a second. Aggressive. What twelve? For one reason, it's Jack Eichel. Like uh, he, I'm drawn to star power. I'm drawn to like, <laughs> is this guy gonna? Is he gonna kind of close that gap between him and Austin Matthews, especially as American star, right? Like I'm, you know, we, Connor's kind of Connor's Connor. He's he's at his own level. Mm-hmm. And maybe Austin Matthews is closer than we want, we want to give him credit for. I'm I'm really curious to see where Jack Eichel is in that hierarchy. And then, you know, they give him that contract. Like I've talked to a few people in the last couple of weeks and they're like, look, we think Jack Eichel is a great player, but what, you know, what was the rush in giving him that big, huge deal? Like he still doesn't have the, he doesn't have the, you know, the kind of experience even of Connor McDavid and, and, you know, uh, so like, I think there's a lot of interesting, like what if all of a sudden he's underachieving and, and not living up to it or putting some pressure on him and where, where does, you know, where are the strides of this team that's supposed to be, you know, have this linear progression up to standings? Like, is, is that going to happen? I, I, I think they're an interesting team. I, I'm willing to admit they're more interesting than the 28th ranked team. I think 12 is is crazy town. Um, <laughs> right, I, I feel like every team we've mentioned so far, you've been way higher on them than I have. Which, like, do you have any teams in the bottom five? Or is it all every team? Like, you have 31 teams jammed into the top 22. Yeah, I just yeah, I've got I've got seventeen ties for thirteenth place. That's how I did it. Um, yeah, no, Eichel Eichel's definitely tremendous to watch, and I'm very curious as well because so much of his production last year came on the power play, and it seems like he should be way more effective at five on five than he was, and some of it was probably just you know poor luck and the guys he was surrounded with. So if he can take that next step, he'll definitely start earning that money. So I guess that was just their thinking that he's young enough and talented enough that he's eventually going to become that player and they're just getting ahead of it now while they can. What's but... the rush, Dimitri? Like, wait till November then. Like, yeah. 
I don't I don't get that. Where was he going to go? It's true. Well, that's this is one of those moments where you really wish we were privy to some of these negotiations and how how this stuff unfolds. Like I don't I don't know if Eichel's camp was giving them an ultimatum that he wouldn't sign yeah. the season or something like that. And then all of a sudden, if you're Buffalo, you don't really have that much leverage in terms of alienating this guy who's very clearly star, a best player. Right? Yeah, so no, that's fair. Spot. And now I want to find out. I'm gonna do some digging, Craig. That would be a good story. Yeah. All right. Twenty uh, seventh. Um, I have the L.A. Kings, who I'm assuming you have like eighth or eighth overall or something. Uh, yeah, I haven't met two. Actually. No, twenty six. Okay, okay, good. Okay. You scared you scared me for a second. I think we um, twenty seven. <laughs> so, oh, man, like Kopitar and Dowdy are awesome, and they have a few pieces beyond that. But I struggle watching this team play, even if I think that, like, I'm curious to see from a numbers perspective if they can start converting more shots into goals because they've been talking about it all summer. I just I don't find myself drawn to actually sitting through their games to see if that's going to unfold. Maybe if they start doing so, I'll start tuning in a bit more. But right now, it's a pretty tough sell. Yeah, no, um, and, and you know what hurts them too is like I'm like I got whatever it was that five year span where they were I got so much fill of the Kings. You know what I'm saying? Like so they get they get dinged by that too. Like I've seen a lot of that team. I've yeah, seen a lot of Kopitar and and, and Dowdy and and you know. Hey, but Dustin Brown's off to a nice little start. So. He is, yeah, he is. Um, yeah, it's 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 tough. It feels like the league is changing so much, and they obviously have some parts on the end of the roster that have alternated, but it's still like the same guys, and maybe that's the problem right now because uh, they seem to be stuck in like 2012 or 2013 right now, and I'd like to see them adjust to this uh, more modern NHL. Um, I have Colorado 26. Who you had lower, and I did as well yeah. until I watched a couple of their games this past week. And all right, so what did you see that can like? I need to be talking. This is one where we're kind of flipped. We're, we're, one, like, do you think this is your interest is sustainable in this in this game? It's it's. I'm fully willing to acknowledge that this could come, you know, crashing crashing down within the next couple of weeks, and they could be back down to the bottom two or three here. But um, first off. Uh, on an aesthetic level, I don't think any team has benefited more from the change to Adidas than they have. Going back to those old uniforms is an awesome move, and I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, this... Wait, wait, can we talk about that? For... Yeah. So you mentioned this is now the second time you've mentioned jerseys. Mm. Like that impacts you watching the game at all? Like a little bit. I I mean you're you're it, I'm a visual person. You know, you're you're watching it. I think you know, like the Predators, for example. I didn't bump them down on this list, but I do have a note about the fact that I hate their new jerseys because I keep thinking they're the like they're, they're the Penguins white and yellows, and it just mm-hmm. it bugs me every time I watch them. So it's something that I just think about. I'm not, you know, overlooking uh, the on ice talent because of it, but I, it's a little bit of a factor for me. Okay. Um, okay. I'm gonna mention jerseys more as we go along, Craig. Don't you worry. Okay. And then I'm going to interrupt every time. Um, you still talking about Jersey? Yeah. <laughs> um, this, so for all the discussion about uh, Matt Duchesne and why he hasn't been traded yet and whether he will be and what's going to happen there and whether he's disgruntled, uh, that combination with him, Alex Kerfoot, and Neil Yakupov has been one of my most pleasant surprises so far. They're like... It seems like they're playing, and they probably are, with this carefree attitude where they don't really care if they mess up, and it's led to some pretty entertaining stuff because they're actually getting creative with the puck and 
try just like they're they're making things happen that most times you'd see NHL players refrain from it because of the risk reward component but they're just kind of throwing all caution to the wind and getting feisty out there and I'm 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 really enjoying it. I mean, we saw Yakupov have this sort of a start last year in St. Louis and obviously it didn't wind up working out and he's burned us so many times that I'm scared to, you know, put a lot of stock in him, but he's looked good so far and the puck is really jumping off his stick and I'm very curious to see if that gamble they made on him pans out and whether he can actually rejuvenate his career a little bit. So I'm I'm watching for that. Um yeah. Have I have I started talking you into it a little bit? No. The only guy like I, I think uh Nico Ranton is, is a player that I'm interested in. Just because somebody that knows that team really well was like this summer was like this guy may be the best of that group. And like I'm like, you know, I, you know including like McKinnon and stuff. And I'm like, Really? That's crazy. And they're like, just watch this kid's this this kid's gonna be a stud. So like that would be that would be the only reason. And and, and I, I'm also bitter towards Nathan McKinnon because for like three straight years, I was like, get ready, everybody. This is the year. <laughs> you know, he is a breakout star. Because I would see him in like last year, like the, with the um, Team North America. And I'm like, you've watched him skate and how fast he was and, and how he like stood out among stars. And so, and then a couple of years ago, I'd covered them in the playoffs and he was the best player for them in the playoffs. And so every preseason, I'd come in and say, all right, guys, just, you know, be ready. This guy's going to join the elite. And then, yeah. So maybe I'm just bitter. I'm with I'm with Which you there. I mean, he's uh last week I wrote about my five most interesting players to watch this season and he was on that list because when you watch him, like I, I, I think at his absolute best, there's a hand, only a handful of players that are just more captivating than he is with just like because yeah. he's fast, but he also does it with this sort of power that a lot of other speedsters yeah, don't where it's strength. Yeah. It's like a, he's like a dominant force out there, and you're like, how is this guy? In, like, if if you just watched him on that one night, you're like, how is this guy not the one of the best players in the league? And he has been just this shooting percentage hole, and I'm I don't have an answer for it. Like, I've heard theories about how maybe like we were talking about this with Larkin in terms of using your speed effectively, and sometimes maybe at five on five, he just sort of just takes himself out of the play because he's a bit sort of too fast and he doesn't know when to slow it down a little bit or change speeds. So he's just taking himself out of the play and out of shooting lanes. And I'm willing to acknowledge that that might be a possibility, but I, like for years now, it's just, he shoots a lot and he looks great, but he's not actually getting the production. And I mean, he's still only like 22 years old, I believe. So it's, I don't want to close the book on him, but I'm, I'm with you there where I've been waiting for a good three years now for the Nathan McKinnon breakout into being one of the league superstars. And yeah. it hasn't happened yet. I just opened a file. That's not now the second story idea that you sparked. Why isn't Nathan McKinnon one of the best players in the league? I think I would read that. Yeah, I would, especially if Craig Custins wrote it. Um, Arizona Coyotes at 25 for me. We're not Arizona. Oh, probably too high. 23. Yeah, I actually had him a bit higher, and I bumped him down a few spots because, uh, man, I just I guess the most recent visual for me was that performance they had in Vegas' home opener, <laughs> and that was – one of the most Those pitiful things I've seen in a while on an NHL surface. So, uh, I, I, I like the players in terms of it's a bunch of young guys we haven't really seen at the NHL level yet. So you're curious to see how, if they're going to take that next step and how good they're really going to be. And one guy yeah. that admittedly has, um, like, I knew he was good based on his numbers and his draft pedigree, but watching him play these couple games, uh, Clayton Keller is going to be a superstar. Yeah. No, I agree. So that's why I had them a little higher, just for, for Clayton Keller. Mm. And he's playing 20 minutes a night right off the hop. Like, this is, you know, he's, 
I, I would tune in to see how good he, he, he is. And I wanted to see Dylan Strom, too. I'm, I was a little bit, you know, I mean, they got to do what they got to do. I, I'm, I was just curious more than anything why this guy isn't a player any people thought he was going to be. I guess aside from skating. Yeah, I think that's probably a, a large part of it. I think you answered your own question there. Yeah, I think we're done there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Boston at 24, which might surprise people, although I don't know how, how high people are on, on the Bruins. I think they're like I, I don't think they're the 24th best team in the league by any means. I think they're a lot higher than that, but in terms of yeah. uh, reasons to watch and how excited I am, I actually think one of their main selling points is I'm one of the few that actually legitimately enjoys watching Jack Edwards call games. So um, that's probably not great <laughs> I like for Jack. It. Well, I mean, but most people kind of get irritated by him or think he's a complete homer, mm-hmm. and he definitely is. But I appreciate that about him because he doesn't pretend that he's not. So he just really goes. You know, all in all general terms, I don't mind if the guy calling the home team's game is a homer. Yeah, I, like I don't. That guy doesn't have to be impartial. Like yeah. I don't want my newspaper beat writer to be cheering the team on but i i'm okay like if if the guy employed by the team to call the team's game gets in like i, I think the fans connect to him mm-hmm. on, on, on some level if you're doing that i had boston would you say 24 i had him at 25 oh there we go i mean so we're we're close i just because again they're not the 25th team in the league but they're they get they get dinged up because i've seen a lot of, of those guys through the years and uh, charlie mcavoy would be my draw to, to watch them mm. yeah i mean they, they obviously have a couple um like pasternak is awesome um brad marchand did you like a handful of years ago at this point did you envision that he could ever be anything resembling this type of player or did you just no. think that he'd be sort of that third line agitator pest that would just be annoying to play against and be effective but ultimately like his ceiling was pretty limited yeah that was uh, that's where i was at i don't even know if they're like I, I was like he's the guy that could play with good players you know what i'm saying right. like I, I didn't mind him on my top two lines but i'm like yeah he can play up with actual good players and then i'm like oh wait now you're like oh brad marchand he's one of those good players great player yeah, so like yeah, I would agree. Like I didn't, I didn't necessarily see this rise coming. And I, to me, it was the eye opener was, you know, him playing with Sid in the World Cup, and last year, and and really like, you know, did not look out of place. Yeah, he's insanely good, which is what uh, what makes it even more disappointing every time he does decide to get back to those old shenanigans of his. Um, oh, I like that about him. Come on, Dimitri. Jeez. Uh... Yeah, it's it's, it's towing a fine line. It's towing a fine line. Um, the Florida Panthers at twenty three. Um, I had him at a generous twenty. I want to. I want to rethink that already. What do you think of that Mike Matheson extension? I don't know. I like. I don't mind it because I know how much they like him. I and I, and I think if if you extend a defenseman, it's not you're not you're probably not going to get burned. I think there's a lot of volatility with young forwards. Mm-hmm. So like they might score 30 goals early on and you want to be careful in extending them. Whereas I think a young defenseman, if they show they're capable of playing, there's always going to be room for them on your D. So you're, you're probably not going to look horrible. That's, I mean, that's, so that's my assessment. They're, they're probably not going to look horrible. Uh, so I think, you know, it is a bit of a copycat league and people have taken stock of the fact that, you know, what teams like Nashville did, for example, in their blue line where they made these uh, long-term kind of calculated mm-hmm. risks on players and they buy up more years. And at the time they give out those contracts, people might be like, why would you want to sign this player for this long? And then 
when he hits his peak a few years later, all of a sudden he's one of the best bargains in the league. And so I, yeah. I accept that. I just think with, with Mike Matheson, for example, um, like who are they bidding against to give him $4.875 million per season? Because I, I, like they bought up those yeah. eight, eight years and that's fine, but it doesn't really seem like they bought themselves that much of a discount in terms of the annual cap hit, which is the part. But that's I the number, with. right? Like, like all those, um, like, I think that's the going rate for the, the long-term contract on the young defenseman. Like that, that it was the cleft bomb and, and who, like there was like four or five that basically signed the same four and change long-term contract. Mm-hmm. And so my thing, my, my what I think happens sometimes with these deals, and I'm not saying it's the case in this one, but team C, like team see these guys getting deals and then they're like, Oh, we have our version of that guy. Let's do <laughs> one of those deals. Right. But like, even if it's that guy, like I think on some level, like Danny, the Kaiser got a kind of pretty generous contract in Detroit and they were like, Oh, let's sign our young defenseman to a long-term deal. And it's like, well, I'd rather have, you know, Oscar Clefbaum. You know what I mean? Yep. And so like, I, what I don't get is, I don't know if I would sign if I was the young D like I actually had this conversation the other day with John Klingberg, who you remember he signed a contract long-term deal. Like, yeah, he's one whatever of those guys. It was, 60 yeah. games into his career. And I was like, were you surprised? He's like, yeah. I, he's like, I, you know, I was thinking a couple of years and they come at me with seven or whatever it was. And, but he's like, you know what? I was like, screw it. I'm going to do it. You know? And I'm like, did you, did he, did, did you, are you, were you worried that you'd be losing money down the road? Like for sure. He's like, it's definitely, but he's like, if you can get that kind of security and money as a kid, 60 games into your career, that's, I think it's hard to pass up. Yeah. I mean, all, all due respect to Michael Matheson, but if someone's offering you $39 million, you take that and run. So you take I, that. Yeah. You take that. Um, I would take that. Um, you don't like that deal. I can tell. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I, I, I like, I'm definitely, I like Mike Matheson. Um, so I'm not one of those guys. It's like, like when, when it got announced, a lot of people were like, who, like, is that an actual player? Like, no, Mike Matheson's good. I mean, he, he, he's, he's up, he's definitely on his, uh, on his way up and he's got an intriguing tool set. I just think that if you're going to be making an eight year gamble like that, I'd like to see that at least in the low fours. And I think they overpaid a little bit and I'm a stickler for that sort of stuff. So. I guess um, Carolina's got a Carolina's got some good ones in the in, you know the, even the fault deals. Yeah. He's still at four point eight for the next three years. Yes, sir. Um, Twenty two, uh, the Calgary Flames. I'm at seventeen. Yeah, I mean they play fast. I, I'll, I'll give them that. Like yeah. there's and there's talent there. Um, I'm just like and Yager. Yager oh yeah, that's true. That's true. That bumps him up. But see, I did this ranking before I even accounted for that. So maybe they could bump him up to twenty or twenty-one. But yeah, I mean, I, I Johnny Goodrow looks healthy, which is uh, nice to see, and I'm excited to see if he can kind of have a little bit of a bounce back season here. Um, like they're you know that that line with Froelich, Backlund, and Kachuk's really fun to watch. I mean, speaking of. Uh, the Brad Marchand type pests. Like, mm-hmm. is there is there a more annoying player to to play against if you're the opponent than Matthew Kachuk at this point? You yeah. did you see a rip uh, Jonathan Quick? I did head off. I did. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I'm I'm all for that. I know a few yeah. stats nerds that have wanted to do that in the past. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know. Like, I'm 
I'm just okay on the Flames. I think they're a better team than I've ranked them here, but in terms of entertainment, they don't really do that much for me. But I mean, listen, we've listed some pretty good teams so far, so the fact that they're 22nd isn't that bad. Yeah. No, I I mean, we're in the same neighborhood. Now, now here's the biggest, biggest surprise of all, and I might wind up looking like an idiot for this, but the New Jersey Devils at 21. When's the last time the New Jersey Devils were this high on a list like this? Never, because even when they were good, they were unwatchable. It's true. Um, I'm, that's high. I mean, I had them at twenty four because I want to see you know the young guys, but that's twenty one's aggressive. Uh, now, did you move them up recently? I did. Their hot, red hot start. I really did. And listen, they're shooting uh, as a team like just under sixteen percent. They're second in the league, just behind the Blackhawks, and that explains why they're only behind the Leafs in in goals per game so far. And that's obviously not going to continue. Um, the reason Plus why that ten goal differential already for your New Jersey Devils. <sighs> yeah. Well, the reason why I'm that. cautiously optimistic is because if people remember, they started like this last year, and then Taylor Hall got injured, and they just really also just didn't have the horses to actually play that way, and they were getting exposed a little right. bit and getting into track meets. So, I think out of necessity and out of uh, job preservation, not that they won a lot of games as a result, but just in terms of not getting destroyed like 6-1 every night uh john hines really slowed it down a little bit and um you know now they they seem more well equipped to actually play at this pace and you just see like the talent up front i mean the blue line is still a concern uh but the talent up front especially when you have like hall johansson and hishier through the neutral zone and they're just making moves and getting into the offensive zone with control every single time seemingly um yeah that's a recipe for success and also a recipe for and playing entertaining hockey so they could it could dry up very easily here and they could make me look stupid but i've more so than the goals i've just enjoyed the the pace and the style they're playing right now as a team i guess yeah no i'm and look they still they're still gonna have those young players the interesting thing taylor hall so they have all these goals he still doesn't have a goal he's mm. got 14 shots on goal still doesn't have so i mean not that you know I was at, that Johansson trade, I think, really went under the radar this offseason. Like, yeah. That was a really sneaky good move by Ratio. Yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, that's the whole point of uh, keeping cap space open to take advantage of someone else's mistake, right? So, uh, A thousand percent. And like he gave up he gave up what teams are going to give up at the trade deadline to have a guy for a month. Mm-hmm. And now he's got this, this this player as part of their kind of their young core. That yeah. was really smart. So you're the right guy to ask about this, considering you just wrote a book about uh, coaches, and we will yeah. talk about that more later. I promise. This isn't the the only plug you'll you'll get on the show for that. Uh, but thanks, I appreciate it. Yesterday during the Leafs uh, Devils game, uh, Elliot Friedman was on my television, and I know based on Elliot's track record and his reporting style that he wouldn't just be speculating on this or throwing it out out of nowhere. But they were talking okay. about John Hines, and he mentioned that. NHL teams around the league were scared off of hiring him because he's short and they worried that he wasn't enough of a presence behind the bench. Um, mm-hmm. Is do you, do you buy that? And if so, is that one of the most NHL things you've ever heard? A thousand percent. Yeah, I, I really buy it. I do buy that because John, it, 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 because it is the NHL and it's a very appearance driven league and you want your coach to be, you know, Mike Babcock and have that presence. Um, but here's here's what I am kind of doing the book, and I want to. I'm, I'm going to plug it. It's called Behind the Bench. Go to Amazon and buy it. And thank you. And and what I, the one thing I learned through, through that process is 
and talking to players, especially after I sat down with all these coaches and watched film with them, and then going back and talking to the players, the guys that are really successful are the guys that players think are um, sincere and not phony. Yeah. And I think there's some coaches in the league through the years that maybe were a bit phony. And I think there's probably guys now that are, that players are like, mm, I don't even know if this is re- real. And I don't think, I think John Hines, like, maybe he doesn't have the presence you want at, for, for strike, but I think he's, he's a very smart guy who's very believable when you talk to him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I ultimately with the, today's player, I think that goes a, a long way. Like you just, you have to be believable. And I think John Hines is. Yeah. I a hundred percent buy that. Um, okay. So the next two teams I have here, I'm going to lump together because they've had uh, key injuries to start the year. And I think that's, kind of throwing off my evaluation of them because if they were healthy, I feel like I'd have them a lot higher. And now I should probably have them lower, but like out of respect for those players and the fact that they're going to come back at some point, I have them at this sort of hedging middle spot. And that's uh, the Anaheim Ducks and the Ottawa Senators, Uh, especially the Ducks. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know if he missed one or just two game, one or two games, but Getzlaff was out the start of the year. Patrick Eves just made his season debut. Uh, They're out obviously with, no Kessler, Lindholm, and Vatnin, and they're playing all these funky lineups, and, like, Jared Bowl is still somehow playing for them, and Randy Carlisle's doing some Randy Carlisle stuff, and, like, I still like some of the talent there, and when they're healthy, I think they're going to be much more dynamic and exciting and very good, Uh, but right now, there's not that much to be intrigued about, so I guess that's why I bumped them down a little bit here. I had them way low. I had them at 28. But if they were healthy... They got the... Yeah, maybe, maybe it was a little short-sighted. Uh, I think they get the Randy Carlisle tax mm-hmm. put on because uh, you know I don't think they're playing that exciting of a brand of hockey. And I, what I like is a guy like Ricard Raquel. I, you know, I'm interested in watching him. But like again, it's okay. I've seen seen Getzla, you know, Kevlaff and Perry <laughs> right. for years. And I also know that those guys, I know how they operate. Like they're not. They're not going uh, balls out on October 12th. You know what I mean? Like those guys are like, let's conserve it. Let's keep stuff in the tank for the spring. So I don't even know if you see the best of the Ducks until, you know, March or February. And so I'm I'm like, okay, if that's how you're going to approach it, I'm not going to watch it until that. That's fair. Um, I'm going to give him a bit of a shout out here because he, he's, he's, on, he's come upon some tough times. But Derek Grant, um, playing in his 90th NHL game last night, had a goal scored. He scored on the power play. I don't know what he was doing on the Anaheim Ducks power play, but he scored a power play goal. And then they reviewed the offside ruling and took it back. And then my followers alerted me that he also had a goal taken away um, towards the end of last year as well. So he's still stuck on uh, zero goals in 90 NHL games, and he's had two games. taken away. Yeah, Poor guy. Um, he'll get one. He'll the get hockey one. guys aren't that cruel. Yeah, hopefully within the next oh. 10. Um, Ottawa Senators. I had them here as well because Eric Carlson's presence just looms in the background and mm-hmm. I'm every time I see their logo on my uh on my NHL TV screen I'm like ooh Eric Carlson and then I remember that he's not in the lineup and hopefully uh it seems like he's out another week or so but he'll be back eventually and when he does they'll shoot up this list a bit I mean then you know they have guys like like Mark Stone and Mike Hoffman and Kyle Turris and there's reasons to watch this team but it's it as always, it everything sort of revolves around Eric Carlson for them. Yeah, I had them lower. Mm. You know, the, the, I think they get dinged by the system they play. Yeah, Guy Boucher true. and and you know, I, they're they're. 
I don't know. Maybe I saw a lot of them in the playoffs too. So I'm, I was, I've been like, okay, I got it. And if Eric Carlson's on the ice, um, yep. I don't know. I'm at 29. So you're wondering like where, you know, where, mm, where was wow. our list going to even out? Like ducks and senators were, that's the you've, list. Correction. You've been uh, ruthlessly unforgiving to teams that are injured right now. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm just short sighted. Like, I'm like, what, how do I feel right this moment? Right. Maybe that's fair. That's how, hey, that's, that's uh, you're being, you're being genuine about it. You'd be a good NHL coach. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks. uh, 18, I have the St. Louis blues. Uh, okay, twenty-two. Me having the Blues at eighteen is like the best way to describe the St. Louis Blues as a viewing experience. They're fine, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, like, they're okay. Well, I, you know, I think Tarasenko maybe like he's got a little bit of the star power that yes. He, like, I, I was I was sitting next to someone I was in Dallas this week, and and he's like, you know, my favorite thing to do when I'm watching a game is a this is a former exec, and he's like, I like to do kind of the ISO cam. Mm-hmm. And so rather than just kind of, he's just like, I ISO cam a guy. And we were actually talking about Mike Green. He's like, my, what, Mike Green is one of my favorite guys to ISO cam because he really doesn't like his, his give a crap meter in the defensive zone is <laughs> almost entertaining. Like you watch him and he's, he's just kind of coasting around. And then all of a sudden when he gets, you know, in the offensive zone, it's a different player. And, 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 uh, you know, I like to ISO cam Tarasenko. So that's, mm-hmm. I think blues, I have him a little higher for that. Yeah, if you're ranking, well, no, like, I didn't. I had them lower. I had them twenty-two, so I lied. I mean, if you're ranking like individual skills, like specifically like one play, like one go-to play, I think the Bears, uh, Tarasenko uh, Rister from that right circle is like one of the most fun, mm. fun dynamic things going in hockey right now. And you know, James Schwartz is is really fun to watch. And it's a shame. I mean, maybe they'd be slightly higher if like a guy like Robbie Fabry was in the lineup because they do for sure they have drafted well and they do have some young exciting forwards. But at the end of the day, it's it's just tough to get too excited about them. Um, so I have the Montreal Canadiens at 17. Um, how do you feel about them? I mean, this is, uh, yep. I don't know, they have it's a bizarrely anemic start to the season for them offensively. They've had a lot of shots but haven't had much to show for it. Um, what, have you, what have you thought so far? I'm at 19, so we're in the, we're in, you know, it's it's Carey Price. It's, you know, they're, yeah, they're 19. Do you, but, do like, you watch teams for the goaltending? Um, yeah, like I watch them for the, like, yeah, I, I, you know, I like to watch them on quiz. I like to watch the best, mm. but I, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I am definitely more drawn to the, you know, the star right. forwards, the Carlson's. Yeah. I'm but very... like, if you're getting a good go goaltending matchup or something, I think that's compelling. What are they, what are they doing with Galchenyuk? Who's uh, now skating on the fourth line with, uh, with, I think Alish Hemsky and like Tori Mitchell or something, something like that. Um, I, I don't know. But you know, I wrote. I don't. I want to, I'm kind of Detroit centric now because I've been writing so much about them. But mm-hmm. so I wrote something yesterday about how because they don't want to rebuild and all this stuff. And I, and I wrote something about how the Dallas Stars basically have built a team that could win a cup without tearing it down. And a big part of that was obviously the Tyler Sagan trade, and you know, which I, which I don't think is repeatable. Like, who? How, how often can you trade for a guy who's the number two overall pick right. without giving up like any? You know, I mean, Louis Erickson and all that. Like if I'm Detroit or if I'm some team that doesn't necessarily want to tank, I'm I'm giving whatever I can to get Galchenyuk. Because why not? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you say, okay, this is a this is a, a way to get elite talent um, and maybe buy low right now? Yeah. Well, we've seen time and time again that's like the the way when you buy low on the disgruntled former uh, top prospect, or, or I mean, even like a guy who's shown at the NHL level that he's a very productive player. So, uh, yeah, that seems like a no-brainer for a team, assuming the Canadians are willing to do so. Um, 
Craig, let's take a quick little break here to hear from a sponsor, and okay. we'll be back on the other side of things. Before we get back to Craig Cousins and the rest of the watchability rankings, I wanted to share an exciting piece of news that I haven't really had a chance to publicly discuss yet because it's still a bit of a ways away, um, but I figure this be as good a time as any to start. On the weekend of November 2nd to 4th, the fine folks at Concordia University in Montreal are putting together their annual John Molson Sports Marketing Conference once again. Uh, the list of speakers that will be attending is pretty illustrious, to say the least. There's Eric Joyce, the assistant GM of the Panthers. There's Megan Chayka, co-founder of the Stathletes. There's Chris Johnston, uh, PDO cast, Hall of Famer on the Mount Rushmore, and fresh off his promotion to the Hockey Night in Canada headlines panel. And even you know Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner of the NHL, is going to be there. And countless others that I haven't mentioned yet. Um, and for whatever reason, they've also asked me to be a part of that group. And that's something I couldn't pass up because it seems like a pretty cool and humbling opportunity. So if you're in the Montreal area, I'd highly recommend coming out that weekend to see the panels. Uh, I'm sure we'll do a little bit of a Q&A and meet and greet before and after and promises to be a good time. And while I'm down there, um, you know, I've been in Montreal a few times, but it's been during the summertime and I've yet to be there during the fall hockey season. So I think I need to go to Bell Center for a Habs game for the first time and knock that off my bucket list. And I could have was a member of the media, but given the occasion, I feel like I wouldn't be fully soaking up the experience. So I'm considering getting a ticket as a regular fan and going to check it out like that instead. And a big reason why I feel comfortable going that route is because of SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sporting events can be complicated, but with SeatGeek, it's faster, simpler, and cheaper to do so than ever before. With their mobile app, all it takes is just a couple of taps and you're there. And you can rest easy knowing that the tickets you wind up with will be the best ones you could get for that price because SeatGeek's already done the grunt work of searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and uncover amazing deals for you. If you decide to give it a shot yourself, SeatGeek's also sweetening the pot even further for you by giving my listeners $20 off their first purchase. All you have to do to claim that is download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code PDO, and you're good to go. That's promo code PDO for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And now let's get back to Craig Cousins. Okay, we're back into it. Um, the I have the Sharks at 16, and honestly, this felt like a bit of a... It, this felt like Nick Lidstrom's last Norris Trophy, where it's a bit of a career <laughs> achievement type deal, and I'm paying paying respect and homage to what they used to be and represent in terms of entertainment value, and this might be the last year we're able to do so before they plummet down these rankings. I had the San Jose Sharks at 16. This is really exciting. This Ooh. is... Uh, that we 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 finally matched up. Did you have similar rationale, or did you do you actually think they're the 16th most exciting team to watch? I had, you know, I, I like like I didn't want to put them too far down because you still have this guy Brent Burns who is uh, you know a blast to watch. Uh, they got, you know, they weren't too high up because I've seen them a million times, mm-hmm. and so I'm like not, I'm not near I'm not as excited about them. And I'm not, and I'm not quite convinced this is a team right now that can make a long run. So I'm like, why am I? I don't want to necessarily invest in them. So that's so you had those kind of things pulling in different directions. So you end up at 16. Yeah, that's true. Okay, we're in the top 15 here. Uh, very exciting. Um, exciting. The New York Islanders. Um, I I I'm just fascinated by this team. Uh, there's so many moving parts. There's the John Tavares thing. There's the fact that I think they actually could be sneaky good. If everything comes together, mm-hmm. there's just there's so much going on, and and I want to be a part of it. You do. I'm glad you <laughs> want to be a part of it. I <laughs> I had the Islanders at 13, which 
seems really generous now. Yeah. But um, I, I am because I think so. I think they're a league story because of the Tavares situation. So now all of a sudden, you know how where that ends up going may hinge on how that team plays. So I think now they become important to watch and to track and and to have an opinion about and and you know they got they've got some interesting young players. I'm always fascinated. I've been like Joshua saying to me is one of those guys that I've been fascinated with since his draft year, mostly because I remember I went to the combine, sat down with like had lunch with them or sat down with them for a good, like hour, hour and a half. And was like, it was one of the most entertaining com- conversations I'd ever had with a, you know, 18 year old draft prospect. Mm-hmm. He was fascinating. So I'm like, and you know, I'm like, I'm all in on this kid. Like I, I just in terms of my interest, like it, it could flame out, he could be a star and, and I, you know, I hope he has this personality that I think would be good for hockey because he's not afraid to speak his mind. And I also think he's got a, you know, high end skill level. So he's got, I'm interested in watching him develop too. Yeah, I like it. Um, it's a shame Jack Capuano's uh, mullet isn't, isn't behind the bench still because that would have bumped off a few spots for me. Yeah, they might have been top ten for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think you could lump the Islanders into this list, but like these next 14 teams for me, um, are all like the teams I'm legitimately excited about and want to watch. Um, okay. And so like I have the Minnesota Wild and the Carolina Hurricanes here sort of back-to-back in 13-14. Mm-hmm. And I, you could honestly talk me into bumping them up even more. I just didn't really know who to take, you know, who to bring down as a result. But both are sort yeah. of have that um, – have a couple things going for them. Like they don't have the individual star power necessary that we've necessarily that we've talked about. So they kind of fly in the face of that theory, but they're the classic example of the whole being greater than some of the parts. And I also love, um, they're both unique in how they play and how they're coached. And I think they're coached really well and their systems stand out to me. And like the wild, for example, um, I urge anyone next time they watch them play like they're they seem to be one of the best teams at getting the puck behind the net and then operating from there before the other team's goalie and defenseman can adjust and it leads to a ton of great scoring chances and goal goal scoring Mm. opportunities for them so stuff like that and it seems like you know knowing Bruce Boudreaux and how his teams have year after year um you know perform better in shooting percentage than we'd expect them to i i fully believe that's a concerted effort on their part and it's not just a coincidence so that's what i was going to ask you did you notice them doing that you know like under mike yo like that's an interesting observation or is that a bruce Boudreaux thing no i didn't actually um i I would you know not that i was watching every single minnesota wild game under mike yeah but i've definitely noticed it recently and and it's more of a league-wide trend as well um we know that that can bump up your shooting percentage a little bit just because it's so tough to defend and you know if a goalie can square up on a shot at this point um, most most likely he's stopping it, so you need to find ways to make a yeah. move. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the Hurricanes. I mean, you mentioned them earlier with yeah, you know, the young blue line and everything they have going for them. And you want to be, you know, you kind of want to get in on on the ground floor with them. I mean, we had that a little bit with the Leafs, and I guess we still do. But they're sort of showing that maybe they're already sort of there as one of the league's better teams, whereas the Hurricanes are still on the bubble a little bit, and you kind of want to get into that thing where you're like, oh, I've been following the Hurricanes since before they were good. It's a little bit of that, <laughs> a little bit of that hipster element going yeah, on. Well. They're interesting to me. So I had them at 11. They're mm. interesting to me for the goalie situation too because you have the classic guy that hasn't gotten the opportunity till this year. And and everyone's like, okay, I think you know I do those goalie tiers every year. And people really didn't know what to do with Scott Darling. They're like, I think he's going to be good, but you, and you don't know until you know. Yeah. And and so that, you know, so that gives, that's another reason to watch them, especially early on in the season. 
Well, it'll be tough for him not to be an improvement of what, on what they've had in the years past. Um, but yeah. how much of an improvement remains to be seen, obviously. So, yeah. And Sebastian Aho is um, one of the players mm-hmm. you really need to be watching. He's he's just a wizard with the puck. Um, the Rangers at 12. And the reason why I have them this high is, you know, speaking of unique systems, they are one of the two, one of the few teams that truly plays that counterattack style under Alain Vigneault. And yeah. it's worked for them in, year, in the past years. And... This might be more so um, just anecdotal than anything else, but I just feel like they play a disproportionately high number of exciting games. Like I feel like whenever I look look at the at the scoreboard, uh, the Rangers are just in some sort of a back and forth shootout, and stuff's happening. And maybe I follow a lot of Rangers fans on Twitter, but they're always like freaking out about what's happening. And I feel like just uh-huh. they never they never have just like an uneventful. Three one game where nothing really happens and they score an empty net early and it's just a forgettable. Right, game. like I feel like something's always happening. And, right, and you add Kevin Shattenkirk into the equation, yeah. like he's 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 not gonna take away from that volatility, right? Like yep. he's a guy. Like I'm looking at his numbers now. He's got four points in four games and he's a minus four, right? <laughs> so like you know you're gonna get some interesting hockey. That power play. I hit him at fourteen. I'm, yeah, he's great on the power play. Yeah, that power play with him and uh and Zibanejad now as a trigger man looks frightening. Um. So, yeah, he's going to be a bit of an extra 5-on-5, although, I mean, we'll see if he sticks with McDonough. We've already seen Alain Vigneault go back to his old tricks and bump Mark Stahl up the lineup. But, like, it's it's considering how much McDonough played with, with Dan Girardi over the past couple of years, um, like we just said with Darling and the, and the Hurricanes goaltending, it'll be tough for it not to be at least a marginal improvement. So I think that you can look forward to that. Speaking of sneaky good trades, I put that as a bit of a jad deal. It was the same idea. You know, mm-hmm. I like that deal. Yeah. He's an awesome player. Um, the Phil- Speaking of teams who uh, always seem to be just up to stuff and it's never uneventful, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, mm-hmm. are like, <laughs> I mean, first off, uh, for my money, the best fan base on Twitter. Uh, There's just so, <laughs> so snarky <laughs> and sarcastic and just uh, they really kind of know how to poke fun at themselves, which I really enjoy, and they don't take themselves too seriously. But at the same time, you can you can tell that they're just so desperately craving this team to be good again, and it seems like at least under Ron Hextall they're on the right track. I mean, you can see the makings of the future wave of uh, good Philadelphia Flyers teams there. What? So, what was your number on them? Where I have them. At, I have them at eleventh, so they're just outside the top ten. Okay, so I had them at eighteen. Mm-hmm. I guess I wasn't quite as. Gossip um, Bears. Uh, he's been interesting early on because, like, you never know when they're gonna like not play them at the you know like yeah. there's like he's talking about their fans like i love watching the reaction when you know if he sits a game or if he's not playing at the end of games and stuff it's like yeah. there's enough there's an, and then you want to see nolan patrick too like i'm always curious about these high-end guys yeah for sure and i mean on that list of uh most interesting guys for me this year claude Giroux, who desperately needs a bounce back season and now that he's on the yeah, way with couturier maybe they can rejuvenate them a little bit there, so I'm curious to see if that happens. And yeah, I mean, listen, like when they go up five three against the National Predators, you just know that it's not going to end five three. Something's going to happen. And <laughs> right, right. Sure enough, sure. they lost that game in like the most Philadelphia Flyers way possible. <laughs> and I say yeah, that I say I, that lovingly. I, 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 I say wanna, that lovingly. I want to move them up. Mine is it too late to make changes? I've been eighteen, and I want to move them ahead of like the Sharks. And no, this is a this, a this is a fluid fluid ranking for us, my uh, Craig. We can okay. do whatever we want. Um. Number 10. So we're in the top 10 here. Very exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. The Columbus Blue Jackets. All right. At them at eight. We're, yeah. We're in the neighborhood. This, like is for all the, this is for all the, all the haters in, in Ohio who think that uh, 
I just have a vendetta against the Blue Jackets, and I never talk about them on the podcast, and I and I dislike them for. Is some that reason. a thing? You hate the you hate the Blue Jackets. Well, at the start of last year, I was skeptical, and I make fun of John Tortorella a lot, and I'm I'm sure that you know they take that they just did rubs in the wrong way and listen i i, I really like this blue jackets team i, I they're i mean they're yeah. obviously top 10 on my list they're eighth on yours and i can't blame you at all they have so many fascinating uh talented players that i want to see how it all like like they have so many different combinations they could potentially use especially with their forwards and i want to see if they're able to find that right fit and what it looks like when they do i mean like that team was dynamic last year and then all of a sudden you add Oliver Bjorkstrand and Sonny Milano and you, yeah. you know you Artemi Panarin you, you lose Brendan Saad who's a great player but I mean there's like there's so much to like about this team so I think top 10 is a no-brainer can we can we say the analytics world owes John Tortorella and uh GM Yarmo Kekalein an, an apology at this point um, they crushed crushed the Blue Jackets for hiring Torch Yes, and deservingly so after how it went in Vancouver, and like, and then it, it, like, I remember reading how Kekalainen was the worst GM in the league, and how these awful contracts. But that was after and, everyone loved Yarmo. You got to keep that in mind. So there was like a so. Well, there was a while. Uh, so like I think those two, those two got crushed more than like almost any duo. I would say two years ago at this time. Yeah, there was. I mean, I remember when Yarmo first took over and. You know, the Blue Jackets had that one season um, when they lost to the Penguins in the playoffs uh, yeah. three years ago, I guess now, um, where they were sort of like the trendy team and everyone uh, everyone was kind of on the bandwagon. And I remember people loved Yarmo and then they had they just kind of went downhill a little bit and people really just flipped on him. And I guess now we got to go the different other direction. I, I'm, I'm still reluctant to give John Tortorella too much credit. He's done a good job with his team. I'm not sure. Uh, I can't say for certain that it wouldn't have happened with some other coach. And I'm curious to see, like, so you in your book when you wrote about coaches, um, yeah. and I'm only halfway yeah. through, I have to admit. So I haven't uh, read a Tortorella okay. chapter or anything, and I haven't uh, seen if you. The Tortorella <laughs> chapter re- is really interesting. Like, I, I like you know, there's some ebb and flow, like because he really opens up. So I'm curious if you dive into this, but. You know, with guys like Tortorella and Hitchcock and Mark Crawford back in the day, like there's this yeah. idea that like they're obviously great hockey minds. So when they come into a room, like the team's gonna benefit for it, but eventually their personality is gonna grade on the team and they're gonna, you know, after just their shtick kind of runs thin after a while and they're gonna lose that team and it's gonna go south horribly and I'm curious if, if, if that came up so, uh, in your book, because it yeah, hasn't yet. Really. And, and like John really kind of bristled at the idea of being compared to those guys. Hmm. And, 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 you know, I think I, I mentioned like Keenan and you right. know, whatever, Bob Hartley or whatever. And he maybe bristled because no coach wants to be compared to other coaches, but he did not like being lumped in with, with those guys. And, and one of the things, I don't know if he made this point or, so after I sat down with him, I talked to like a bunch of his former players and I think it was Brad Richards who pointed out, he's like, look, you know, for as much as everyone says this guy's got a shelf life or he's hard or whatever it is you say about John Tortorella, that kind of becomes cliche. Half of that Lightning team wanted to play for him with the Rangers. I mean, if you look, like Fedotenko went there, Fedotenko had battles with them in Tampa. Brad Richards signs there. Brad Richards had huge battles with him in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of them mentioned to me that Vinny LeCavalier wanted to go to New York. It never happened. And so, like, I think these guys... 
yeah, you're battling with them, but why guys like John Tortorella is, it goes back to the kind of the genuine and the sincerity thing. He's not doing this because he's got a, an ego and it's about John Tortorella. He's just, he's desperate to win. Like mm. he's such a competitor. And I think guys are like, okay. And like, yeah, it gets old. But like, if you talk to these guys in Columbus, it's, it's not easy playing for them, but I, I still get the sense they really like them. Yeah. And, and I don't know, maybe that maybe we're seeing the maturation of a coach or the evolution of a coach of a guy that's learned how to maybe, but like, I mean, he's he's certainly that. I mean, that's a team that's got a little bit more mental toughness. It seemed like any time in the past with Columbus, they were expected to do well. Yep. They would like coast, and the wheels would fall off. And you're just like, what? What's the deal with that team? Right. And he just doesn't allow that. And I think it's been a really good fit. Yeah, it's a bit unfair to them because, like, it's, you know, they had that la- magical season last year and the win streak, and uh, they racked up the wins, and now. Like the natural progression we expect is to turn that into a long playoff run, and yeah. in that Metro division, it just it's so tough because, I mean, you don't have to tell Washington Capitals fans about it about this, but they've run into a similar <laughs> right. thing, and the Washington Capitals, I still believe, are ahead of the Blue Jackets on the totem pole here, so it's like, it's kind of a tough situation for them where they yeah. can be really fun to watch and really successful, but ultimately they're going to be judged harshly based on whether they can actually start winning some playoff games or whether it's going to be a one and done again. And now like we're, we're all going to be very firmly in that. Oh, great. Sergei Bobrovsky, you had a great regular season. Um, but if you don't beat the penguins in round one or however it's going to be, no, we, nobody's going to want to hear it. Like, we want to see the, we want to see good Bobrovsky in the playoffs and we haven't seen that yet. Yep. And so really that's, they're almost like it, it, they're almost at that Capitals level. The Blue Jackets, at least the goalie is in my mind. You, you, you're you're skeptical until you see it in the postseason. I think I think Capitals fans would say they uh, the Blue Jackets have a bit of a ways to go before they get mentioned. I, I, not as a team. I just think the goalie. Right. Like like it's the same thing in my mind. Like when the Capitals are great in the regular season, you're like, okay, that's fine. Right. And the same thing with Bobrovsky. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay, I'm gonna lump these next three teams together just because I wanna I wanna get through this here. Um, and yeah. I think they're sort of similar because I think there's like a top tier and then these teams are just below. But I had Nashville at nine, Dallas at eight, and Chicago at seven. Um, I know you you mentioned mm-hmm. that, you know, a team like Chicago, you've seen enough of them over the past few years that they might not intrigue you as much. Like, did you – how was that reflected? In I, had them at, so I, I know I used them as my example, and mm-hmm. then I, I actually lied because they're like – because the, the Kings and the Shark are more of that example. Right. I had the Blackhawks at five just because I want to see if they have that last – gasp right night last gasp yep. i mean who knows they could be good for the next five years but like you know there wasn't that long ago we we're like this is a stanley cup team and and now it's and they still have all these great players and but you you know they're so top heavy so i i'm i'm there's a lot of intrigue with me with the blackhawks issue yeah i mean they're not, gonna, they're not obviously not going to score five goals a game and shoot 17 percent as a team but uh there's brennan sod uh this is my eye test here i made this joke on twitter brennan sod in that red uniform playing with Jonathan Taves just looks right. Looks right to you? It just looks right. It, it, uh, it passes the eye test. <laughs> so your eye test isn't like, you know, it's just how the, how the, how pretty it is. <laughs> no, it just, it just, it just feels right. I have this like visceral feeling that when I see that, I'm like, yep, it's, this is where he needs to be. Um, so you were watching Kane and Panarin and going, mm, you know what? Something's wrong here. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon saw it on a line with Taves. I mean, listen, this is, amazingly entertaining to watch and they're incredibly productive, but I just don't know if it's doing it for me. <laughs> yeah. These cross-ice passes are awesome at all, but 
I want to see Brandon Todd. Yeah. All right. No, I, it's, I hear you. I like the Bucks. They were five. I'm, I'm, I will be watching a lot of Chicago Blackhawks hockey. They really needed Saad, though, because uh, as great as Panarin is, like their five-on-five performances as a team had really started to crater a little bit as they got older, and, and Saad is one of the league's best at that. So um, mm-hmm. that's a huge uptick for them. And they have, they have the young guys. Like I mean, as listen, as much as um, they have uh, been there, done that, and we sort of know what to expect yeah. Like with guys like Schmaltz and Hartman and – like pretty much their entire blue line aside from uh, Keith and yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and like Gustav Forsling. And then I want to see how many games Connor Murphy is, doesn't play after being traded for. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, so Stars at eight. Uh, you were just in Dallas. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that experience? Yeah, item at ten. So I, I'm curious. So they must be your big faller. Like I have to assume they had to be one or two last year because those games were crazy. Well, they were. Do you, do you have they, your last year's rankings? No, so that was two years ago. Last year was, was it the season ago? from hell where yeah. everyone was injured and Lindy Ruff oh, seemed right, to kind right, of right, phone right, it right. in a little bit and everything just Yeah, kind of... but you still had to watch the Stars because they'd be up 4 nothing and they would lose 5-4. Like, their watchability was still pretty high yeah, last year. it was. I mean, they're um, eighth. I mean, it's not nothing to scoff at. They're yeah. between Chicago and Nashville. That's a pretty good spot to be in. Yeah, I had them at ten. I they were um, so they're still kind of in the transition. Like Hitch hasn't really sunk his teeth into them yet. Um, so there, there's still some of that old Dallas Stars DNA uh, in them, which is good for watchability. Like they'll probably move way down the list once they get to where they need to be hmm. um, defensively. But yeah, like I the like they they're top ten for me simply because they can roll out a line of Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, and Radulov. I yeah. mean, Radulov is a wrecking ball out there, and I, he he's fun to watch with that crew. And so uh, they're they're still there for me in, the, in that top ten. Yeah, I mean, it is a bit they of a, fun to watch. It is a bit of a fall from the uh, that twenty fifteen sixteen version that, that took the hockey world by storm and was like probably the most fun team I've I've watched in a in a long time. I can't remember who who would have topped them. In and the years. interesting thing was like. Hitch beats them in the playoffs and kind of famously says this team and the way they play is the future of hockey. Yeah. Right. And after kind of, I guess it's easy to say after you beat them. And then, you know, now like they're basically trying to, you know, kind of get away from. Right. Rewire that. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Predators at nine. Uh, I mean, obviously, I guess they're only really missing uh, Ryan Ellis at this point. Um, I don't know. They're they're exciting. Like I, I, it's weird because last year I thought they were pretty pedestrian, and I mean obviously the you know the results showed it that they, they were kind of pedestrian in the regular season, and obviously they really turned it up a notch in the playoffs. So they have that extra gear, and I think that by the end of the season they'll get there again. Uh, just right now, like they're they're fine. I mean they're they're ninth, so yeah. I like them. But uh, based on the talent, I guess they could be higher, but. I like kind of a six. Like yeah. we're in the. I like the. Uh, they play a fun style. I think. Um, I'm glad to see Philip Forsberg isn't. You know, it's it's not taking him like. Uh, how long did it take him to really get going? Actually? Yeah, it was I insane. felt like it was First a while. Months, yeah. Yeah, and he's kind of off to a strong start. So he may, if you get a full season from him, he kind of maybe moves up a notch in the star power rankings. And mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, I, I, I like that Nashville team. So I have a uh, I have Washington five and Pittsburgh six, and the reason I lump these two together is because they're really tough to separate. I mean, they obviously aren't short on star power, and uh, they play fun hockey. I I gave the Capitals a slight edge just because, like, if I'm if I'm not watching their game and I see that they're heading on heading onto a power play, I immediately flip over just because <laughs> I want to see yeah. what's gonna what's gonna happen there, and that. 
considering how close it is to call between the two, that gives them a slight edge for me. But, I mean, they're both the best of the best in this league. See, that makes you're making the case for the, the drum I've been banging for years how there needs to be the kind of the red zone channel for power plays and, and overtimes and shootouts. Oh, I think that'd man. be a good channel. Yeah, I would subscribe to that. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, I had the Caps 7 and the Penguins 4. Yeah. I, I, do we need to like spend much time on that? It's pretty self-explanatory. Nope. It's the obvious nope. names. I think with Pittsburgh, with, like in hindsight, I guess at the time it was weird too, but man, that year and a half, especially the second season with Mike Johnston as the coach, like I guess it kind of just shows you that, I mean, they've tinkered with the personnel a little bit, obviously, and they called some guys up from the minors and got faster, and that helps a ton, but like philosophy and system is just as important as the talent sometimes here as well. For sure. And it's, you know, one of the interesting things I'm going to, I'm going to keep referencing my book here because it's fun. Um, Mike Sullivan said is, you know, I sat down with him and, and really kind of getting the, the, the buy-in and giving, having Sidney Crosby have input into the way they were playing. I think that was a big part of, I mean, you remember Sidney Crosby, all of a sudden his production jumped off the, mm-hmm. to the roof. Once Mike Sullivan got hired, a lot of it was like he wanted to play with more speed than he was playing with. And, and he wanted to be, you know, get the puck with speed. And, and in Mike Sullivan gave him that opportunity and that input. And, and then it's like, okay, but it has to work, right? Like you can't play with speed, but not win. And obviously it's, Worked out okay, I would say for Pittsburgh. Yeah, they they found a marginal success, fair to middling. Um, <laughs> yeah, they seem to have found their level. So fourth, I had the Tampa Bay Lightning, and and I I, I lumped them with Washington and Pittsburgh here as the Eastern Conference yeah. elite. Um, the the Nemesnikov Stamkos Kucherov combination is mm-hmm. might be like it's up there with that you know Ben Sagan combination with Radulov and the uh, the Winnipeg line with uh, Shifley, Wheeler, and Ehlers in terms of mm-hmm. just, like, the most devastating combination. And I loved seeing them elevate their game against the Capitals the other night where they really just took it to them in the second half of that. And I also enjoyed that I haven't seen this very often, but they had a four-on-three power play in overtime, and they used four forwards, and they uh, wound up scoring the winning goal. So, I um, yeah, I think Tampa Bay is, like, it's a great story in terms of everything they went through last year and now sort of trying to get back to form and – they have the players to also captivate your imagination. So there's, they obviously yeah. have a lot going for them. So I got two questions with you on the, on the lightning mm-hmm. one, if you, I, I'm giving you a, a franchise to build right now and I'm offering you the next 10 years of Stamkos or the next 10 years of Kucherov. Who are you taking? Kucherov without any hesitation. Okay. And where is Braden point? Like we're in terms of how good he is in your mind. Oh, he's good. He's good. Um, he's good, right? Yeah, he's really good. He is. He's one of those guys where it seems like, uh, I mean, this is reflected in, in the data because, you know, he's a positive on-ice player. So, But just from watching him, like, he's one of those guys that just always seems to be just around the puck and up to stuff. And he's always, like, generating something. It seems like he never has these shifts that just he, he goes in the ice and goes for a lap and then comes off and nothing happened, like... Something positive right. seems there's, to happen every time been. he's out there for Tampa. Yeah, no, I like. I mean, I think that's one of the positives. You, like last year was a disaster, right, for the Lightning mm-hmm. on a lot of levels. Because I, I mean, that was a Calder. I mean, Calder. That was a Stanley Cup. You know, that's who I picked to win it all. But I think one of the silver linings was giving the opportunity he got and his emergence, and he may be even better this year. Do you think? So just circle back to the Kucherov uh, discussion, like. Obviously, I mean, last season, what he did, he started to get some love and recognition league-wide, but 
like do you think he's still a slightly underrated or do you think people around the league just I mean obviously people in the game I guess know him yeah. more closely but like your casual fan do you think he or she appreciates that Kucherov is probably like one of the best five players in the league right now um probably not I would say I would I mean I think if you did the Stamkos Kucherov question just to the casual fan they're probably saying Stamkos because 60 goal scorer with name recognition mm-hmm. but like I wasn't you know, I was curious to see your opinion, but I wasn't like surprised. Like, I was like, no way, that's crazy. Like, yeah. he's unbelievable now. And yeah, he's so dynamic. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's, he's, I'll be interested to see how his future plays out. Mm. I think it'll be pretty, I think it'll be pretty positive and he's, uh, he's going to cash in. But I mean, the yeah. Lightning got obviously a remarkable uh, bargain for their buck with this uh, sort of. Not it's a bit longer than a bridge deal, I guess, but the the most recent deal they signed him to was uh was one looking pretty good for them. Yeah. Top three here. Um I have the Winnipeg Jets at third. And it's because I do too. Our, our second matchup. It's uh insane combination of individual talent. I still think there's reasonable concerns to be had about how it all fits and whether they'll be able to put it together. Uh but man. Line A, Ehlers, Shifley, Wheeler, I mean, Truba, Bufflin still, even like Matthew Perot around the net. I mean, Jesus Christ, there's uh, there's so much talent on this team. Did you see Tyler Dello's story on Bufflin? Because he's kind of the I, analytic darling. He's like, hey, maybe there's cause for concern here. Well, there's definitely some cause for concern. I agree with Tyler there. But, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, for our uh, purposes here, I think uh, – those concerns oh, actually right. help make the Jets even more entertaining to watch. <laughs> right. Right. No, I don't mind a defensive news. You know, you're getting so many chances on both ends of the mm-hmm. ice. So I'm all right with that. Yeah. And Blake Wheeler, I think, you know, he, Blake Wheeler might have been the guy a year ago uh, we were saying, is he getting enough love? I think people are really starting to appreciate how good a player he is. Yes. Around the league and fans. and Like, he's a guy, like, I, I judge it basically how much a guy goes for in the auction of the fantasy pool I'm in every year at Pierre Le Run Runs. Mm-hmm. And, and Blake Wheeler, like he was always one of those guys. Me and Sean Gentile have a team. We're like, oh, we, you can always get Blake Wheeler cheaper than he should. And then, uh, like this year, it was like a bidding war for Blake Wheeler. Yes, yeah, no, he's awesome. Um, so we have two teams we haven't mentioned yet, and I assume it's because you also have them as one and two. I'm curious about the order. Yeah. Are they Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, I had two for Toronto. That's my number two team. Oh, same here, Craig. We had the same top three. All right, our that top three awesome. were the same. That's pretty. That's, I'm all right with that. So my so, I mean, both. I'll, you can watch both those teams all day long mm-hmm. and be wildly entertained. And um, but you know, uh, I don't. I don't have to like. I don't feel like we have to defend why Toronto's two. I mean, right. Austin Matthews is unbelievable. I, I think. Um, He's a kid, you know, in terms of sophomore slumps and all that, like, he's a kid, you don't have to worry about that. Like, so driven um, and so focused on getting better. And, uh, like, I had a conversation with someone kind of close to him recently talking about what he did in the summer in terms of individual skills and things he was working on. And you already see it translating onto the ice. And you're like, man, like, we may just be scratching the surface here, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, especially, uh, I feel like defensively this season, I've noticed a lot with him. Mm -hmm. uh, just you know, breaking stuff up and le- turning it directly into offense. So yeah, the ceiling there is uh, is through the roof. I think people might be surprised. I guess not, maybe not, but I mean, like Toronto is the most exciting team. I think, and mm-hmm. 
it's a good thing they have the puck more often than not because they still absolutely have no clue what they're doing in their own zone. And I imagine that uh, right. as someone who has co- who has covered Mike Babcock teams and spent time with him for that book we've mentioned 20 times already, um, <laughs> it must be driving him absolutely crazy. But yeah, like when they kick into high gear and they get going and they get this full head of steam, uh, it feels like they're just unstoppable. I mean, we saw it a bit. Uh, on Saturday night against the Rangers in two spurts, really like early in the game, then the Rangers clawed back, and then I guess we saw like the good and the bad of the Leafs in that game, and uh, it makes for entertaining, high-scoring hockey. Uh, the Oilers are number one for me because Connor McDavid has reached that uh, pantheon of superstardom for me, where like if you're a hockey fan, you sort of have this, you feel this obligation to watch every single Oilers game because otherwise you're going to live in this constant fear that you're missing out on something that everyone's going to be talking about. And it's just like, it's, it's really a a tier that is impossible almost to reach because as good and exciting as some of these other superstars we've already talked about are like, it's, it's fine. I I can see the highlight. I can see a gif of it on, on Twitter, but like with McDavid, it's like you really kind of want to, be there for the moment so you can just talk to other people about it as you saw it like that goal he scored against the the flames and tj brody like you just need you just need someone to talk to about it you're like did did my did i witness this like am i am i hallucinating right right now or did this really happen i like the in the the one where they yeah they had the they had his speed like tapped into the highlight you know when you're watching how fast he's going and all of a sudden slams on the brakes and i had i had the same exact reason so he's he's elevated I'm a little older than you, so a little bit. Uh, like this reference, a little bit. This reference, but like he's moved into the to the like he transcends hockey at this point to me. Mm-hmm. Like I like as a sports fan in the United States, um, like I you know I lived through like Michael Jordan was a guy that you just would watch because it was Michael Jordan, and I grew up in Detroit, and you know the Pistons fans hated the Bulls, but it was Jordan, and you if he was on, you watched him. Mm-hmm. And then to me, kind of the next guy that was like that in sports was Barry Bonds. Yep. And I like I just remember going to the ballpark. I lived in Atlanta, and you know they come through a lot. And you, if you could go see Barry Bonds, you did it because you're like, I want to tell my kids that song, you know. Yep. And you, you felt like you were watching history on some level. And I think Connor McDavid's moving to that to that level in hockey where you want to be able to say you saw him even at this phase in his development, and you know the best is still to come with him. But you'd be like, man, I we watched when he kind of rocket shifted, you know, into the stratosphere. Yeah. And. So like that's that's why they're number one. Well said, Craig. Um, all right, I think we uh we did it. I'm glad we had the uh, the same top three. It makes me feel good about my uh, decision making here. <laughs> no, I guess it makes for bad debate. But mm. Good, good. To, hey, by the way, I want to thank you and give a shout out. So I used your uh, the, the guy that did your podcast logo for my new podcast. Well, full let's 60, let's plug the is, full sixty here. Tell me about it. The full it's the full sixty is going to be a weekly hour long podcast where we kind of just dive into pretty in depth conversations with with different people around the game. Had a like for instance, had a conversation with Mike Russo. He just won the Red Fisher Award, mm-hmm. um, and it was just fascinating to hear how this kid, you know, like spent a lot of years in Florida as a kid. I think he said he moved there when he was ten. Became such a passionate hockey guy, you know, and he grew up on Long Island and would, you know, would sneak and watch, you know, the Islanders. I guess he lived near their sub and just subdivision where they all lived and would watch these guys come back from practice. And like, I've known Mike a long time and hearing some of these stories about his path uh, to, to his success, you know, it was, was really neat. And, you know, we're doing, it's going to be some topical, like what you do here, Mm -hmm. 
um, but also some like just get an interesting person on and, and dive into to their their path or their you know what makes them tick and and uh, it's been so far it's called the full sixty on the athletic hmm. and uh, you can listen now. I'm looking forward to you uh, eventually returning the favor and having me on for some cross promotion. Um. I will. I consider you like the, the a brother podcast. It's true. It's uh, true. We're on. Uh, we're on. We're oh on, yeah, we're gonna do our, our our first half, second half. Yes. First half on this one. Yeah. Second half on exactly. The full we're gonna. We're gonna find s- stop abruptly on one of them and be like, "Oh, now you have to go to the <laughs> other one to figure out what I was gonna say after." We, we just gotta figure out what's so interesting that we can talk for two hours about it. That's the key. Maybe like uh, we'll do like a. Uh, People always love either award stuff or like all star selections mm-hmm. or something. People always love those debates. All right. Um, and okay, we've mentioned the book. Uh, tell me, tell the listener about it one more time because I currently am reading it. I'm about halfway through, I believe, and I've really enjoyed yeah. it so far. And I'm going to refrain from, uh, you know, vocalizing my my sort of takeaways or stuff i want to talk about because i want to finish it and then we're going to get you back on the show and okay. we're going to do like a book review deep dive on it oh that'll be fun because okay. it's what i found in kind of doing the promotions for it it's been it's actually made for interesting conversation like sometimes if you're on the radio and people are like hey we're having this guy just has his book out you're like <laughs> i can't switch the channel fast enough yes. like but where this becomes interesting it's like because because the concept is like I, the, the concept is that I sat down with ten coaches and I watched a game with them, and uh, you know in most cases it was their kind of the, the the highlight of their career with them, and and the stories that emerged from those those moments were pretty unbelievable. And every coach was so different from like Joel Quenville shouting at the TV, you know, like he was like in the middle of the game and yelling at refs to you know Mike Babcock taking constant notes and, uh, you know, kind of preparing for his next game by watching the Vancouver gold medal game. And, mm. um, yeah, the book is called behind the bench, um, really getting great support from the hockey world, which I appreciate immensely. Um, you can get it anywhere books are sold and it's been doing really well so far. So I'm excited about that. All right. That's awesome to hear Craig. Um, yeah, well, enjoy the, uh, the rest of the season here and i have no doubt we'll as i said we'll get you back on here in a couple weeks to uh to talk about that book a little bit more awesome thanks dimitri the hockey pdo cast with dimitri filipovich follow on twitter at dim filipovich and on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey pdo cast <laughs>